as an entrepreneur, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket, especially in this economy. You need to have a few different uh, revenue streams. You can't create one thing and expect it to work right away, which is why it's so important to have a few things to see which one actually uh, becomes a hit. Um, it's kind of like uh, being a baseball player. You're not going to hit a home run every time you're at bat, but the more times you take a swing, the more likely you'll hit a home run, right? Uh, and you don't necessarily have to make millions to, you know, be successful. Um, you can have a business that's doing six figures uh, a year. You can do, you know, 80 grand a year, 50 grand a year, whatever it is. And you can start another business with that money. And now you have two businesses that can potentially make you double that, that amount. So it's always important to have an open mindset, try different things, never settle and always look for, for the next thing. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations with entrepreneurs who started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and today I'm talking with John Tavares. A serial entrepreneur, John started his first business as a student. However, after graduation from the University of South Florida, he saw an opportunity in the very old and traditional industry of cleaning homes and offices. He started Pro Housekeepers as a traditional cleaning service, but soon learned that to succeed in this crowded space, he needed a new and innovative business model. He continues to innovate today and has started two additional businesses in the space. He is also a founder of a unique Tampa Bay area networking organization, Masterminds, designed to help entrepreneurs network more strategically. Listen in as we talk about how he scaled pro housekeepers and continues to find innovative opportunity in a traditional industry. So John, thank you for joining me today on The In Factor. Thank you, Rebecca, for having me. So I'm really excited. You know, it's been fun for me. I've been here in Tampa Bay now for 15 years. I can't believe it's gone by so quickly. Wow. But um, I've really seen the entrepreneurial ecosystem grow. And a lot of it is because of young entrepreneurs like you who have come in, uh, done something amazing uh, in the entrepreneurial space, and also contributed and given back to the to the entrepreneurial ecosystem by helping to bring communities of like-minded people together. So I'm, I'm looking forward to digging in and learning more about your companies and about the work you've done in the ecosystem. But before we do, uh, let's just find out a little bit more about you. So you uh, started Pro Housekeepers. Um, was, was that your first entrepreneurial venture? Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Uh, so that wasn't my first venture in entrepreneurship, uh, but it was the one that I've stuck with the longest. Uh, my background is in e-commerce and marketing. So beforehand, uh, I was at USF and I was buying and selling uh, domain names, websites. I would create like these little e-commerce stores, uh, promote them and then generate some revenue and then sell them uh, on a marketplace. So that was like my thing. I also did consulting for uh, software as a service companies, uh, helped them with their SEO and content marketing. Um, and then Pro Housekeepers uh, was kind of like a, an experiment. I read a, a case study. Somebody shared a story where they created a cleaning company in Washington, D.C. 
And within the first year, they started doing seven figures. And the only difference uh, that they had was that they allowed people to book instantly versus having to schedule a walkthrough. So at the time, uh, in 2015, there was nothing like that in Tampa Bay. And I decided to give it a try. I was never attracted to the industry or anything like that, but I've always been curious to see how, how I can use my skills to, to, you know, kind of promote and create a, a brand in the traditional, in the traditional industry. So um, the first few years, it was very uh, slow. It was just kind of like fun. But then in the third year, it really took off. Um, Google invited us to one of their exclusive advertising platforms and um, the first few months, it was crazy. Like we were growing so fast. Um, so I decided to expand very quickly, uh, given that the opportunity was huge. So we grew all over Florida, Miami, Orlando, West Palm Beach, Jacksonville, and then we grew all over the U.S. So now we're in 23 different markets. And then uh, COVID happened. And that's when I launched another business, which was Germophobics. And we can talk about that uh, a little later, but yeah. <laughs> we all became germophobic during exactly. that time period, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. And a, a lot of that has, has stayed with us. Um, so, wow, what a great story. You know, a lot of people start companies, but, but uh, only a small percentage are really able to scale them and grow them the way that you have. So let me ask you, have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Because it sounds like you've always kind of had that entrepreneurial mindset. Is that, is that, was that kind of your plan when you went to college or did you like a lot of other people start down one path and end up find, finding yourself somewhere else? So my, my father has always been an entrepreneur and I saw him having his own business growing up. So that influenced my mindset. When I was in high school, actually, I was debating, should I be become a plastic surgeon, which was something I wanted to do, or become an entrepreneur? And I realized being uh, in medicine is going to take me a long time to start actually making money. So I was like, uh, I'd rather make money now and I'll maybe invest in the future in, in certain medical uh, technology or medical advances and things like that. Um, so it was either medicine or entrepreneurship. I chose entrepreneurship. And uh, while at USF, I was actually managing my own business. Uh, so I didn't think about like actually applying to jobs or anything like that. I just kept going and, and thankfully I, I survived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, did you grow up in Florida? I grew up all over the place. So I was okay. born in New York, <laughs> uh, raised in New Jersey until like 14. Uh, and then we moved to Dominican Republic. Uh, I did my high school there. Um, when I was 19, I moved back to the U.S. And I've been in uh, Tampa since 2006, so about 17 years. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, it's interesting because very few of us are from, from Florida, but a lot of us find our way here. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about pro housekeepers. I love that you found an opportunity in a, in a traditional space that, um, has been around a long time and is going to probably stay around a long time, but you were able to find uh, competitive advantage. So let's talk a little bit about pro housekeepers, how you differentiated what you do um, and, you know, kind of got beyond the commodities, uh, commodity mindset of the space to be unique and, and build something a little different and innovative. Yeah. So the difference in, in hiring pro housekeepers is that you're hiring 
not maids. Uh, you're hiring people who have executive housekeeping experience. Uh, they're usually more seasoned. They can do more things than a typical maid. Um, for example, there's a big company called Maid Pro and Molly Maid. They typically have employees that are just trained to follow a, a small checklist and that's it. Uh, with us, we, we can handle more complex jobs. Um, so uh, it's kind of more of like a luxury option versus a, a necessity. Um, so when you hire pro housekeepers, you're paying a little more, but you're getting higher quality, getting uh, people who have more skills. Um, and that's what our clients like. They like people that they can communicate with and understand what they're, what they need. Sure, sure. And so, you know, I am intrigued because one of the biggest challenges in, uh, you know, I study entrepreneurship, um, not just in Tampa Bay, but all over the world. And one of the biggest challenges is getting high quality talent. So do you have, you know, do you have a unique perspective or um, any advice about, you know, that's, that's really been particularly helpful to you to get and keep talent in an industry where I think that's probably one of the, maybe one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. So the first thing we do is kind of have a, we call it a vibe check. Uh, we, when we speak to candidates, we get a feeling for how professional they are, how uh, maybe responsible they are. Um, if they're very interested in, in growing their own, uh, you know, revenue and business, because we, we typically, hire contractors, it's not employees. So we kind of get a feel for if they're really into growing their, their business and their, their career. So uh, if they are, then they go through an onboarding program uh, where they learn how we work. And once they go through that, we start sending them trial jobs. So we'll send them a couple jobs here and there until we feel that they're uh, good enough to then start getting higher volume. Uh, once they get to that point, then we'll start sending them pretty much a work every day and, and they'll be busy. I, I, I would say they would probably have 90% of their business coming from us. So that makes them very incentivized to do a good job versus if you just hire them one time uh, a month, they're not going to be as interested in, in, in maintaining that relationship. So they really depend on us for you know, their revenue. They depend on us for guidance on using technology. Uh, we also teach them how to use like mobile apps and software and things like that. So it very it, it's very helpful for them as well in in their own personal business. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you find people that that are already um, either either already doing this kind of work or interested in doing this kind of work and you provide the marketing side and the customers and, and the business support that a lot of them don't, may not want to, or maybe even have the expertise to, um, to, to take on themselves. Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. So we're more of like the operations and marketing people and we connect the best housekeepers with, great clients. And we take the headache away from the housekeepers. They don't have to deal with customer service. They don't have to worry about paying for expensive technology or software. And then the clients, they come, they, they don't have to worry about dealing with dozens and dozens of different vendors in different markets. They have a core team at pro housekeepers that uh, basically manages the, the housekeepers for them. 
Yeah, that's a great business model. I love that. And, you know, the, it, it can be applied in a lot of different traditional industries, especially service providers. And um, so, so it's a really great model. Let's talk a little bit about scaling. So how you mentioned earlier that you started out local and small, but now you're, you've grown significantly. Um, tell us a little bit about how that all worked. And you've been doing this for how many years? And and how's that? How's that growth trajectory? So we're roughly happened? roughly at eight years now. Uh, we turn eight years in a couple of weeks. Uh, so since 2015, and uh, we grew mostly based off of uh, the Google local services platform. We were one of the few companies selected and invited to join. Uh, so we were getting a ton of calls. We would open a new market. We start advertising there. And, uh, you know, we, we'd establish ourselves there. So, um, we first would go out and find good teams, send them to some trial jobs. And then once we're, we're confident enough to offer that service, we'll open our advertising campaign in that market. And we did that for many markets until we hit a, a point where we would only benefit from opening in a new market. If we have a client that already has volume there. So right now, at this point, we only open in a market where one of our clients can say or would say, listen, I have, you know, 400 jobs a month in this market. Uh, do you think you can establish some teams there for us? That's that's the only way we would open a new market at this point. So tell me about your your um, headquarters team. How has that grown to keep up with with um, with the scale? Has, have you mainly done this through technology or have you had to add uh, people and how does that work? That growth side. Yeah. So initially it was, you know, just me. And, um, then I added an operations, uh, manager and he's been extremely essential in, in our growth. So he handles the customer service side for, uh, big clients. Um, so we have like hospitality companies, property management companies. So he'll handle all, all things related to like the volume side. Uh, we have a customer service person who handles incoming calls. She's very essential as well. Um, and then we just added a sales person and business development person uh, to help us uh, contact new clients. So you've been able to stay relatively small from a people side um, as you've expanded, which again is great from an economic perspective and, and time-consuming perspective as well as a, as a leader. How about funding? Have you been able to self-fund this or... Uh, what, what's been your funding journey? It's, feels, it's been self-funded. So a lot of people are surprised. It's been, it's been bootstrapped. Um, we did get some uh, SBA assistance during COVID, but that's all taken care of. Um, other than that, we're 100% self-funded. Yeah, that's great. That again, a great, a great model uh, when you can when you can fund with your own customers. So uh, let's talk a little bit about innovation. I think um, you mentioned germophobic, germophobic, germophobics. Germophobic, yep, germophobics. And then also, I think you started something called Harmony. Yes, is that right? So talk to us about that and 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 why the, you know why those companies exist and what they're all about. Yeah, so Germophobics started uh, in April 2020, pretty much at the very beginning of COVID. Uh, we started noticing that people weren't hiring housekeepers. They were afraid of having strangers come to their home. 
So we started losing a lot of revenue. Uh, and I came up with the idea, like, you know, people aren't going to hire housekeepers. I mean, they still need to clean. So why don't we just try selling them things that they can clean with on their own? And, you know, I just came up with a catchy name. I looked for some really cool products that you wouldn't be able to find, like on Amazon or anything like that. And we created a small store. We had like maybe 15 products in the beginning. And we started promoting it on Google AdWords or Google Ads now. And that became its own business by the end of the year. Um, so now we have Germophobics, the e-commerce side, product side. And then we have Pros Keepers, the service side. And so um, the, both of those companies are still operating, yes. uh, Germophobics as well. Now, how about Harmony? Tell us about Harmony. Yeah, so Harmony is uh, basically under Pro Housekeepers. It's, it's got a, its own brand, but it's not its own uh, company yet. Uh, so it's basically the B2B side of Pro Housekeepers. Um, so if we have a hospitality customer that needs certain things on property or, um, for example, handyman, painting, plumbing, electricians, housekeeping, uh, Harmony is, is that is the suite of services for that type of customer. Uh, Pro Housekeepers is more for the one to two cleaning requests per month type of customer. Uh, we just branded it differently. Um, and now we're, we're heavily focused on promoting Harmony because that's where most of our revenue is coming from. So that's, that's been our main focus in the last uh, one year. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what, you know, where is, uh, where's Pro Housekeepers, Germophobics and Harmony all headed now? I mean, what do you see coming up in the future in terms of growth and opportunity? Yeah. So for Pro Housekeepers, uh, ideally, I'd like to get some funding to create a custom platform for our hospitality customers. Um, that's going to be part of Harmony as well. Uh, we applied to the Tampa Bay Wave uh, Accelerator Program, and they just today sent us an email saying that we're one of the finalists. Uh, so we're going to try to get some money to build that platform up. Uh, I think the tech side is very important. Um, so once we build that out, we're going to focus on promoting that to our hospitality, uh, clients. And within a couple of years, uh, ideally we'll get an acquisition by a bigger player in the space that can uh, really put the resources to work in, in this, this niche that we've found. Yeah, that's, that sounds exciting. So let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you might've faced. You know, every success story there are challenges along the way. I know I work with a lot of young entrepreneurs and sometimes they face challenges of with their youth. They sometimes face challenges with, um, you know, with lack of experience in the space. And so I'm just curious, what kinds of things along the way have you learned? Uh, you know, what challenges have you had and what have you learned um, uh, being a, a young entrepreneur in, in a traditional space like this? Yeah, so at first... I started it off completely wrong. I started hiring employees. I would buy the equipment and supplies. Uh, and that was very frustrating because it's, it's not, I'm not wired to, to do physical things like that. I'm, I'm more wired to do things based off of technology. So it was frustrating for me to have to, you know, get these physical products and supply these employees with things. And it was a mess. So I quickly realized that hiring existing teams that have their own supplies and equipment and everything they need was the way to go. That's when everything started taking off. And that's when I was able to scale. 
Um, that was a rough uh, lesson, but it was worth worthwhile. Um, other things that were challenging were, well, basically in 2018, I said I was going to close the company down. I was going to shut it down. Uh, revenue wasn't where I'd like it to be. Uh, so I said, I'll give it until the end of the year. And I was literally going to just shut it down. In, like, I think it was like September of 20, uh, 2018. And in August of, uh, or actually in October of 2018, Google invited us to join their platform. And that me waiting that amount of time was what actually helped us get to where we are today. If I would have shut it down beforehand, we wouldn't have gotten invited to that platform by Google and we wouldn't have grown. So uh, being patient is really what it's all about as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Finding the right business model and patience. I think those are both really valuable lessons to learn along the way. Did you ever have uh, coaches or mentors or people that really helped you with these lessons or, you know, what's your strategy for dealing with um dealing with this, these challenges and finding the lessons in them? Yeah. So I didn't have any specific mentors that I, you know, would consult with, but, uh, my idea of, uh, solving problems is to join communities of other people who are having the same issues or had the same issues. So I would join Facebook groups, uh, Reddit groups, and I would ask other people in the space, Hey, what are you, what are you doing for this problem? You know, should I continue paying employees or should I switch to contractors? What are the benefits? And it, it wouldn't be quick answers, but, you know, eventually you started getting a sense for how things should be done. Uh, other, the community kind of helps you decide, uh, you know, what should be done in order to grow, um, how to do your taxes at the, at the end of the year, what forms you need, things like that. So joining those groups of people that are in the same chooses you in, in the same space as you, that's that's really what's important. Um, and then I did read a lot of books and listen to a lot of uh, great people. Uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, uh, Poor Dad, that was a very helpful book to change my mindset about money. Um, so there are a lot of mentors that I have that are not direct mentors, but indirect mentors through their books and, and lessons. Yeah. And podcasts, right? Because that's what we're doing here today. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and practicing entrepreneurs listen to the InFactor. And uh, I'm sure that that advice, you know, building these community or being part of these communities will be really helpful to a lot of them. And speaking of that, uh, we talked very early on about the entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Tampa Bay and um, you've been you, you've engaged online, but you've also engaged in in the community. And I know there's uh, that you started something called Masterminds. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So that was actually started in 2018, in the beginning of 2018. We were just five friends that were in tech, marketing, and, and had our own businesses. And we were kind of fed up with uh, the typical networking events in Tampa, where you would go and uh, your goal was to give out as many business cards as possible, and everybody was kind of just focused on that. So we decided to create our own little community. Uh, it was more uh, based off of uh, what we saw in other markets like uh, New York and Los Angeles, uh, where 
entrepreneurs were more laid back. They were more casual. They were more about building relationships. And that's what we wanted to model our community after. Um, and since 2018, I mean, we started with five people and now we have thousands of people um, in our network. We have uh, close to a thousand members on Facebook. It's a private group. Uh, we have over 3,000 on Meetup. And our uh, newsletter is growing close to 2,000 subscribers, and we just launched that this year. So um, we're, we have a lot of uh, big plans uh, for 2023, and we're always looking for new entrepreneurs to join us and, and share their journeys with us. Um, a good thing about being in masterminds as well is that we have shared resources. So if an entrepreneur uh, purchased a, an ebook or something that was helpful for them, they're willing to share if they're willing to share that with the community other entrepreneurs can you know easily get that book save some money and learn uh from that so that's what it's all about it's all about building relationships sharing your resources with each other and making you know strategic introductions uh whenever that time comes yeah i well i really love the 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 this conversation because networking and building that network is so important for entrepreneurs. But as you said, the wrong kind of networking can just be time consuming, draining, and uh, at the end of the day, does it not very helpful to an entrepreneur. So you started started with five people and you've grown it significantly. What is the is there are there criteria for being part of masterminds and, um, you know, how do you make sure or ensure that this group is, um, you know, going to be helpful to everyone else in the team or in the organization? Yeah. Yeah, so there's an application process. Um, the easiest way to join masterminds is through the Facebook group. That's like the first layer of activity. Um, so as long as you're in Tampa Bay, and you're an entrepreneur, you have your own business, uh, or you're in tech, you can join the group and you have to apply. Then we review all the details that you provided. Once we confirm your identity and, and you know that you're actually a good fit, then you get approved. And then we have another layer, which is like a, a more private community where uh, those who have uh, more experience get together. We have like private dinners, private events. Um, and we just, uh, brainstorm things. We help each other solve our problems. Uh, if somebody needs to be introduced to somebody, we'll make that happen for them. And, um, for us, it's all about, you know, building community here. So now this, but masterminds is not limited to Tampa Bay, right? It's yeah. It's, so it's actually, we we made it specifically for Tampa Bay. It is limited yeah. to Tampa Bay. Okay. Okay. That's, that's great. So, so you have how many members here in Tampa Bay? So approximately 5,000 is like our reach. Uh, that's, on, yeah. Yeah, on Facebook, we have close to 1,000 right now. Okay. That's that's pretty impressive. So what have you seen in terms of um, just talking about entrepreneurial ecosystems and growth? What have you seen over the years uh, that you've been here in Tampa Bay and operating as an entrepreneur? What kinds of changes have you seen, positive or and or negative? Yeah, so everything I've seen in the entrepreneurial space in Tampa Bay since I've been here has been positive. I mean, recently positive. Uh, in the beginning, I would say 10 years ago, it was very dull, a dull market uh, in terms of tech and funding. Uh, but so many exciting things are happening in this area. There's a lot of interest in startups moving out here. Uh, they realize 
Miami is kind of a little too pricey for them. They can save more money by moving to Tampa. And Tampa is also building that welcoming ecosystem uh, where, you know, the the government is actually helping entrepreneurs move out here. Uh, there are a lot of uh, venture capital firms coming out here and, and investing in the community. So everything that I've noticed so far has been positive for, for startups and entrepreneurship. Uh, there's nothing right now negative that I can say. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of positive growth as well. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next uh, five to 10 years with entrepreneurship in the space. That was one of the things, as I mentioned, when I moved here, that um, really surprised me was that there, there was such an entrepreneurial spirit among people, but yet not the entrepreneurial ecosystem was still really undeveloped, but it's, it's grown a lot over the last few years. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, where, where you see, um, entrepreneurship going and, you know, what, how about this economy that we're in right now, we're dealing with, with challenges. And so how do you think about, um, some of the things that we're facing, um, as entrepreneurs in this country, um, the economy, specifically, but also, you know, a lot of political dividedness and, and, uh, you know, what, what do you think, uh, you know, about how should entrepreneurs deal with some of these challenges that we're facing? We just got out of the pandemic, which was, um, you know, really challenging. And it, it's, it's, um, what I found was that most entrepreneurs were finding ways to, to, to find some silver lining in it. Um, so I'm just curious about your thoughts um, about sort of the future of entrepreneurship over the next five years, let's say. Yeah, so my thoughts are that um, as an entrepreneur, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket, especially in this economy. You need to have a few different uh, revenue streams. You can't create one thing, expect it to work right away which is why it's so important to have a few things to see which one actually uh, becomes a hit. Um, it's kind of like uh, being a baseball player. You're not going to hit a home run every time you're at bat, but the more times you take a swing, the more likely you'll hit a home run. Right. Um, and you don't necessarily have to make millions to, you know, be successful. Um, you can have a business that's doing six figures, uh, a year, it can do, you know, 80 grand a year, 50 grand a year, whatever it is. And you can start another business with that money. And now you have two businesses that can potentially make you double that, that amount. So it's always important to have an open mindset, try different things, never settle and always look for, for the next thing. Um, you know, things change very fast, especially nowadays. So you can't think that Everything is going to stay the same. Uh, most things are going to change very drastically in the next five years, uh, especially with artificial intelligence. Uh, AI is going to, you know, severely impact everything that we know. Most people don't realize it, but um, everything from copywriting to marketing to uh, data analysts, uh, all of that is going to change with AI. And you have to be very good at understanding how to leverage AI for anything you do. So if, if there's anything I can say is uh, going to be the most important thing is to, is to learn how to use AI for your entrepreneurship and your business. 
Yeah, we're certainly at the university, we're certainly uh, starting to, to see the impact of ChatGP and some of the other AI tools now. And um, I just got back from Italy and I interviewed an entrepreneur there and they're a it, you know, their business is basically a think tank around utilizing AI. So lots of interesting and exciting things going on there. Um, and uh, great advice, great advice. You know, I have, I love this conversation that we're having today, that the entrepreneurial mindset, applying it to very traditional business, finding ways to be innovative and creative with that, uh, you know, bringing in um, opportunities when you're faced with something like a pandemic, and then finding ways to network that that are more strategic and useful uh, to you. It, it's just great lessons um, for anybody that is interested in entrepreneurship or practicing entrepreneurship. So, John, this has been a great conversation. I've loved it. I don't know if there's anything else you want to share, but I have a couple more quick questions I always ask at the end of my podcast. But um, before I do that, is there anything else you want to share or talk about today that we haven't uh, covered? Yeah, uh, if you're an entrepreneur and you're interested in uh, building community here in Tampa Bay, just uh, take a look at Masterminds Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great, sounds like a great group. And um, I'm excited to share that with, with a lot of entrepreneurs that I know. So I always ask uh, before we wrap up, if there's one piece of advice that you would leave with our listeners, you've given some great advice already, but if they can only take one thing away, what would that be? The one thing they should take away is to have, uh, Patience and grits, uh, those are the things that entrepreneurs need the most. A lot of times, uh, people, especially the younger generations, are very impatient to have things work. Um, in reality, you have to have uh, patience and you have to be very gritty. You have to be able to accept when you fail and learn from that and not feel bad about it. So be patient and have grit. That's great advice. That's great advice. So if any of our listeners would like to connect with you or find out more about your business, you mentioned uh, the masterminds, but um, is there any, are there any other sites they might visit or uh, can they, is there a way to connect with you if yeah. they're interested? So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is John Tavares, J-O-N-T-A-V-A-R-E-Z. And you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, my username is John underscore Tavares. Thank you, John. I really appreciate your time and the great message that you shared today. Thanks, Rebecca. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.